Hey everyone, welcome back to High T Hoops. This is Brian Boucher at the Duke of Hoops. And today we have a very special guest, the biggest Bucks and Giannis fan I know, all the way from LA. What's up, Costas? How you doing? How you doing, Brian? I, I don't know. Just disclosure, I'm a fan. I don't know if I'm the biggest fan, if I qualify. I don't, I don't even have a shirt, Bucks shirt, <laughs> a Giannis shirt. So I think... That disqualifies me from being the biggest or anything big. You're the biggest one I know, which we just talked about. You can't disqualify that because you don't know everyone I know. And so you are the biggest Bucks fans I know. You're definitely the biggest Giannis fan I know coming from Greece and having kind of the mutual connection. And you've been following him for years, watching on your phone, watching every single game you possibly can, defending Giannis through the highs and lows. So thought I'd bring you on. Is this your first podcast? First NBA podcast? Uh, I, I believe it is. Yes. That's amazing. All right, let's get right into it. Game six in Milwaukee. So first of all, being an NBA fan in London is the hardest thing I've ever had to do as a sports fan. I am not built for 2 a.m. (laughs) tip-offs. I couldn't do it this year. I'm getting old. I cannot stay up that late. I had to settle for avoiding Twitter. Don't the pubs close at 1.30 anymore? There is nothing open at 2. I mean, you're not going to a club and watching, even if they were open. Okay. Uh, but man, the, the morning, like waking up, trying to avoid Twitter, trying to catch up on the game, trying to find the highlights, like it is a nightmare. So it was a tough finals to, uh, to, to consume on my part, but you're in LA. It was super yes. easy for you. All right. Give me, ga- give me game six reactions. Um, first of all, I'll just say I, I empathize with you. I spent four beautiful years in, in, in <laughs> London as my, at grad school. Yeah, fond memories. Basketball is not one of them. So uh, <laughs> I hear you, my friend. Uh, game six. Wow, epic, epic times. Um, anybody that thought that was going to be easy was disproved. I, people were expecting landslides. Some of the talking heads were proclaiming it's over. And all that. And, you know, knowing the Suns, looking at their personnel, looking at the matchups, you knew it was it was going to be a rough one. I mean, for those that watched the game second quarter, I mean, it got he stormed ugly. back. It got campaign quickly. And, you know, in, in these things, you know, nowadays game, as you very well know, you know, a plus 15 can go to a plus 25 or a plus five quickly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whenever you reach that, you know, plus 12, plus 15, there's always this, this agony of like, oh my God, uh, they need to put a stop to this. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, I think is also where, you know, where Yanni started getting more active uh, and, and, and some, um, some, some key shots started falling and yeah, third and fourth quarter, uh, it was just insane. I I personally bum time even as even as a as 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 a Giannis fan, and I and I want to go into that because I'm not I'm not unapologetically Giannis fan. I'm also like I I can see when you know stuff doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and I will I will let people know, but you know, for me, uh, I I think it was interesting how Suns defended him. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it seemed to me that they were worried about Middleton and Holiday sort of like getting hot 
and that never happened. So, but the problem <laughs> very much did they, not. Yeah, I, right. And and my point was like they never tried to double Giannis. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that puts that would leave somebody open. Connaughton, I don't remember him hitting a shot. No, in fact, I remember him missing two free throws in a pretty epic way in the end. Lopez didn't really make anything from outside. So I was just interested to see that they didn't double mm-hmm. and try to, you know, hey, if you lose from the corner three by from PJ Tucker and Connaughton, then so be it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so PJ Tucker didn't have any points, did he? I don't think he did. No, but I mean, but his contribution is beyond points. I, yeah. I I'm I'm of a, a firm belief that without signing Tucker, there would not be champions today. Wow. That's uh, it's a as simple as that. And, you know, this matchup, the, the finals matchup didn't sort of like play to his strengths, but against Brooklyn, yeah, he was epic, man. So Even though KD torched him a few times. KD is going to torch everybody and anybody. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's no way to stop him. You can try to not, you know, completely you know, get burnt, which they did mm-hmm. in one occasion. But again, I, I don't think that, you know, that that intensity, those that offensive rebounding, their no BS attitude, they, you know, you'll have to get through me before you get in the basket, the tough fouls. You know, when I look at the Bucks and the past two years, a bunch of lovely guys. I love that. They didn't have the mean factor. A very, you know, I would actually say that Giannis is not, it's not about tough mentalities, Mm -hmm. how you, you know, being able and willing to do whatever it takes to win. Mm -hmm. And whatever it takes, as you well know, is sometimes not exactly basketball. It was the PJ Tucker, (laughs) Bobby Portis combo too. The Bobby Portis crazy eyes. My favorite moment, speaking of the toughness, is when Chris Paul tried to run over to Scott Foster <laughs> to argue and Bobby Portis like blocked him from going to talk to the ref and like put himself in between, gave him the crazy eyes. And you're right. Like it's surprising. I mean, we're going to PJ Tucker and Bobby Portis pretty early in this podcast, which I love, but it's surprising to hear you say like that they had that big of an impact because a lot of people criticize look at, PJ Tucker's look at, performance. But look at the, at the numbers, look at the percentages, the Suns in terms of percentage of shots were better the last two games and they lost. Why did they lose a turnovers, B offensive rebounding. If you're going to shoot double as many shots as the opponent, even a a lower, you know, shooting percentage will win. Yeah. Chris Paul was not getting the boards. Chris Paul was not getting boards over PJ Tucker. No, but even, but I mean, yeah, I mean, they're the, CP3 has issues also in, in defense in general, especially when they put him on the weak side, when he has to sink, you have CP3 sinking, which basically means you have nobody sinking. Yeah. Right. So I, and that's where know, the Giannis 50 comes from. Yes. I want to exactly. go to the double team though. You're right. Because this was a game where no one else really stepped up on the, on the box where, you know, last game drew finally had the breakthrough Middleton's had the breakthrough game every now and then, but Giannis had 50. 50 which puts like at that elite status why wouldn't they double when everyone else was cold i think drew I, I just looked at drew was four for 19 and you could tell early on that first quarter middleton and drew were nervous like airballing shots floaters weren't going 
yeah, and that and that's where it, be, it becomes interesting. Why why you know the Suns decided, and, and I'm a big Monty Williams mm-hmm. fan uh, for basketball reasons, but I'm not only for anybody that doesn't know his story, you should look him up yeah. and see what he has gone through. But I mean, they decided not to double, and at the same time, you bring an excellent point. You know, try to score fifty. Try to do 25 layups. I know. It's not even three-pointers. In the gym. For anybody that has never tried it, you'll be sweating after that. So we can hear, be here talking analytics, but at the same time, scoring 50 on any, in any sort of game is hard work. And in this type of game, you know, you got to just admire. It's not even – at that point, it's not even conditioning. It's mm-hmm. spirit. You know, you, you – you have to have that, you know, attack mentality first yeah. and we'll figure it out later. At the same times, I think Giannis had two tur- or three turnovers only. He was solid. So for, for attacking so much to keep the turnovers this low, mm-hmm. I think it's just, I mean, I, clutch. I don't the see- free throws, making the free throws. I, he, he took threes. He took jump shots, even like going into late in the fourth. He was doing I mean, these for, like but, hook but shots me, from the free throw line. I, I agree with you. I mean, let's put it this way. For, for, for anybody to score 50, but especially for Giannis to score that many yeah. points, everything has to go. You know, yeah. every, everything needs to stick. To me, though, the biggest evolution for of the last years on Giannis, because you asked about that, yeah. uh, is decision-making. The shot-making, I mean, he was always a great finisher. You know, like sometimes it reminds me of a, you know, Stoudemire kind of closer to the yeah. rim. You're just like everything. Pick and pop. Yeah. Yeah. On the pick and roll on, you cannot defend that, but you know, when to decide to attack, how to attack on which side, where are your shooters? You know, where do you stutter? Uh, and then bring in the Euro step when needed. Uh, you know, that's, and that's, those are decisions that have to come in a, you know, less than a second. So that seemed like it changed through the playoffs because he was getting a lot of criticism for basically not being a playable almost in the fourth quarter because he couldn't shoot, couldn't hit the free throws. But then it seemed like he got a lot smarter in the way he finished. What do you think changed? Or do you think he just uh, first of all, let, let me take. I, I I think that's that 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 is something that you know is a Skip Bayless yeah, type of. You that's what I'm referring to. <laughs> we got to argue against the straw hat. Well. If the fourth quarter is only about shooting free throws, then I guess not. But it's still basketball. Yeah. And I mean, first of all, how are you not? How are you going to take out your best, the, the league's, uh, you know, best defensive player? Yeah. You know, I mean, that is. They had five blocks in game six too. Since I mean, you're he's in England, everything. Since you're in England, right? I mean, and they they love soccer over there, though. I guess not this much this summer. <laughs> uh no we liked it it's not not coming home but my point is like you know he plays a sweeper role Mm -hmm. right so he was cleaning up everything on the behind so like first of all so that alone will put you in the fur in the fourth quarter if you if on the defensive end you do that but he did get smarter do you think something changed you think he made a breakthrough has been I, i i think though that they changed their whole entire system. That's not Giannis. Mid playoffs? No, that that but just at I the mean, start of the playoffs. Year, the whole year they changed 
it started a bit last year, but I think uh, after the bubble, I saw the biggest difference, which and holiday coming in meant that yeah. listen, you can't be the point forward bringing down the ball anymore. Yeah, as much in transition, of course, but let somebody else handle it and let me let us put you in position in a position of success. So pick your spots. Don't just dribble, dribble, dribble down and you know, call that whoever you want to get a yeah. pick with. And I mean, that that just won't work. 48 minutes definitely won't work in the playoffs. That makes everybody else static. You know, if you look at the Bucks the last two, not this season, but the previous two seasons, it was just four guys around and Giannis in the middle and everybody was jacking up threes. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, if you look at this analytics, that is a winning brand, but I'm I'm of the opinion that the really good teams that win championships recognize that that brand of play style is regular season. Mm-hmm. You come into the playoffs, just even, you know, the, the officiating changes, the calls change, you know, those threes that you thought were so open are not so open anymore. Your psychology is make or miss, you know, you're, you're, or you're out. And it's just not easy anymore. Yeah. Well, the last podcast we had with Hugh Hopkins, we talked about the mid ranges back because we had Chris Paul, we had Chris Middleton, we had Kevin Durant, we had all these players thriving off the mid range, thriving off I'm, the jumpers. I'm not ready. I, it was, def- it's definitely back on in, in this series for sure. Uh-huh. Um, of course it didn't, it helped that the Bucks three wasn't there at all, except mm. game three, I believe. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if, if they're not going to make shots, the Suns are mid, if they're not going to make, if the Bucks are not going to make the threes, then the Suns are mid-range for sure. Mm-hmm. So then it becomes a mid-range series. Great. It's actually interesting that the Bucks beat them in that kind of style without the three being there. But I'm not ready to, you know, call it for the, for the three-point shot. Um, I just think that, and, you know, the, the, the great LeBron teams, uh, I, in fact, the great teams in general, I, I felt were, you know, the, the, the San Antonio Spurs, you know, the, the Miami Heat, the, 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 the two winning teams, the, you know, I would even say, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the 26, what, 20, the ones that, 2016 team I think so those were teams that can play different styles at the same time and they have different lineups for different you know um, uh, for different game situations and they're all effective so that is something I always enjoyed seeing at the playoffs that you see teams that listen you want to hit transition we're very good at that you want to play set plays great high low picks Great. You you want to go in a defensive style versus, you know, running gun? We can do that. We can follow that. Because just the nature of the game nowadays requires you to have all these different facets. Yeah. So so, so that's where that's where I think like, you know, regular that's why I think regular season plays don't necessarily translate in in, in, in the playoffs. So you mentioned this is a good point. The Suns had really good shooting percentages. You, if you looked at the, like just their shooting percentages, their box scores, you'd be like, oh, they won. But they lost four straight. Started strong, lost four straight, and 
a lot of the talking heads were saying it was going to be blowouts. The Bucks were going to kill them, but every game was tough. Yes. What happened to the Suns? Why four straight? The Bucks just figured them out. What do you think happened to the Suns? Listen, at, at the end of the day, I, I think when their rotations get smaller, right, uh, the, the, the shots get tougher, the exhaustion levels get higher. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to the quality of the shots, the quality mm-hmm. of the looks you're getting, and can you stop? the other team and, and lower their quality of their shots. I mean, basketball in that sense is very easy. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just think that, you know, if, if you have, and that's where, you know, having a superstar going, you know, with a 65, 70% field goal percentage, mm-hmm. is just, you know, it, 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 it becomes very, very tough. Right. And at the same time, you know, Aiton got into foul trouble a couple of times and was non-existent in the, in game six. That's a big moment for him. I just think, and, but, but I also think that with the Suns, I mean that, so, so, so in those singular moments, having somebody like Jan is great, but I think people underappreciate how good of a defensive team the Bucks are. I think if you go back to the game three, four, uh, where CP3 had those five turnovers per game. Yeah. You know, so if you look at the, some of those turnovers, they, I mean, you know, of course, CP3, well, is, is, is a magician, right? Mm-hmm. So, there, I mean, for him to even turn it over once is like, wait, what happened exactly here? But some of them, you, it's, you can see that he's exhausted. Yeah. And he's jumping and looking. And then, of course, in a couple of occasions, he's on the jump and tried to pass it over. Defender. Lopez, Giannis, Middleton, who just exactly. covered the entire so in, court. In a couple of occasions, you have, you know, so you have a bunch of 6'8 guys to all ranging between 6'8 yeah. and Bobby Portis. 7. Yeah. Exactly. And, and you have Holiday hounding you down, yeah. you know, he's the terrifying. entire floor for 48 minutes. And you're, I mean, let's face it, you're the shortest guy on the court. How now, old is he? Is he 35, 36? 36? Yeah. Sheesh. So that's like I'm you out 42. there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like you out in our I pickup was, games. I'm 42, and just looking at the game was, I was tired. Yeah. You know, and so I, I just feel that people underappreciate that aspect of the Bucks that yeah. they really chased him down. Of course, he wasn't 100%. A hundred percent. It was a super long season. It was a COVID COVID riddle season. Maybe he wasn't a hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. But look at some of those passes that this guy needs to make. On you know during a jump, during a one on one, when the whole defense full of six eight six nine people are collapsing on him. Yeah. But I think that so so I think maybe, for example, somebody like Luca would have an easier job there. Yeah. yeah. Right. So just because it's he's his smaller, pace, even six, eight, his pace, he can control it. That's a much better matchup against drew. Right. And, 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 and if, and if you also, I think, and so that, that was for CP three now for, for Booker, you know, to me, I am one of these 
huge fans of Booker. Mm -hmm. And just because everything looks so harmonious and pretty. It's just insane. I don't think I've ever seen a shot that Book took that I thought he shouldn't have taken. Yeah. In fact, I am one of those guys that said, you're dry, you're dribbling too deep. You should have taken that earlier. Yeah. So to me, that is part of that maturation where there were, I mean, especially in game six, there were two specific or three plays where he drove it too deep. That was a turnover. Yeah. Goes the other way. Well, now the most famous one, game five, drove it to the free throw line, got a little hesitant, was trying to make up his mind of what he wanted to do. Drew rips it. One of the best alley-oops of all time. But but who was defending Book on this one? It was P.J. Young. Oh, yeah. He got switched on to him, right? So it was P.J. Tucker. Then he saw him in front of him. Yep. Right? Drew comes over and helps. he can always jump over him, but that's where 48 minutes of that kind of defense blurries your decision-making. It blurs it, right? And so he's like, oh, maybe I should go for a layup. As soon as he says, maybe I should, it's over. Yeah. Then it's over. Right. So I, and I think, you know, if, 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 so you're trying to make it hard on these two guys and yes, they got theirs. Absolutely. They got their points, their shot making. I was actually amazed that they shot with such high percentages. They were still making so many amazing shots to keep them in it. It was close. Like they had to hit unbelievable shots. The shot making at this, this day and age is crazy. Uh, but you see that you're going to make shots for three quarters. But then if you have to play 45, 46 minutes and you're in the fourth quarter, you get somebody like Tucker or Bobby on your <laughs> rear end, hounding you, chasing you or holiday, you know, and you have a sweeper like Yanni's waiting for you. Yeah. At some point. It just breaks down. Yeah. And that's where, I, I mean, I think Middleton and Drew both had four steals. Giannis had five blocks. So you're getting those primary defenders who are ripping it away from you. If you get by them, Giannis and Brooke Lopez are waiting for you. It was brutal. I think you're right. The, the Bucks defense, because people are like, what's wrong with Chris? Is he is he injured? Does he have a right hand? Is something wrong? What's wrong with Booker? Is he not stepping up? That defense was just unbelievable this series. And the yeah, full court I mean, pickups too. That like, oh, just watching. Yeah, and I'm exhausting. not. And I'm not. You know, what for everybody that says, oh, CP3, uh, you know, oh, you know, has something. Or I'm like, he's 36. He has a bunch of stuff. 20, 22 points. I mean, yes, there. He has four or five turnovers, but he does also have ten assists. Yeah. So I mean, okay, so cut the turnovers down for sure, absolutely. But does that win them the game? I don't know. Yeah. And the, this I one, know. I mean, this one, especially like Giannis snapped his leg in half and still came back. Like all of these players are injured. I still don't know how he's playing. He dropped 50 after doing that. Like yeah. how is you're, you're a, you're a science guy. How does a knee snap backwards like that? And then you're just fine. Uh, yeah. I like, yeah, I, 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 I mean, it's, I, it's both sort of the biology there, the biomechanics specifically yeah. of that particular guy, but also luck, you know, that's and true. It, uh, it bent that the right said, way, you know, it didn't it, twist or something, a different angle go on the left as opposed to the back. And it's, you know, you have a torn ACL. 
So, uh, you know, yeah, that was a scary moment. But, you know, the other thing that I was thinking uh, the other day was that, you know, up to the conference finals and even the first two or three games of the finals, it's kind of scary to think that I didn't think that, you know, the, the Bucks had good periods of, of time during a game. But I never felt that they played. A, there were entire games where they played 100%. Mm-hmm. I think one example of a game like that was game five, where Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis all yeah. played great at the same time. And I felt that if, if, if that would happen more often, it wouldn't be a 4-2 series. No. I mean, I, I think it would have been a, sweet, a swifter one. Or they could have beaten a fully loaded Brooklyn, or they can beat anyone if all three of them play like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, not let, let, maybe. But, but, but <laughs> I just felt that, far, that yeah. you know, so if anybody, and, and, and I'm, I'm a big Bud fan for that matter, but I mean, on offense at least, I think there is room for improvement for that team. Do you think Bud's getting fired if they lose to the Nets? I don't know, man. You know, this is. Rick Carlisle sweeping in. I mean, that would be, I mean, if that's your option, maybe, you know, then, then you, then you have to go for it. Right. Um, But at the same time, I mean, they're both great coaches. Right. And, and, and I think that, um, to me, the biggest sort of um, 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 issue or challenge was, and Holiday called it out that sometimes during the season, he, like or oftentimes, he didn't know what his role was. Yeah, I mean, it's the first season. Sort of, and yeah. in all honesty, I mean, that's where the code should come in, and I'm sure they did, but they haven't, you know, figured it out. They hadn't figured it out, and it seems to me that, except for bits and pieces here and there, they still haven't figured it out yeah you know somebody like holiday against a team like the spur like the suns sorry should never have two or three games where we're shooting at 20 percent i there's no i mean that means that you're not putting him in a position to succeed that is he needs to hit some shots yeah, but you know, so in some cases though, you know, when you have those slumps, you know this, right? Yeah, the easiest thing. I don't thing slump. Is just, you know this. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I forgot who I was talking to. But, for so the listeners, Costas and I have played a lot of basketball together. So right. So he sees my ups and downs more than almost anyone else. <laughs> well, Brian is very open to calling my slumps very vocally to everybody. <laughs> and but, your hot so, streaks. But you know, in, in these cases, I mean what you do normally is you try to get fouled and then go to the free throw line, see a few shots go through the yep, hoop yep. and then you're back in rhythm. And I just never saw that yep. from him. Right. And because if he was missing one, then he was missing the other. Then he was like, all right, pass it off somebody yep. else. So I, I, I just, which should make backs, you know, bucks fans pretty excited because if there's, if they haven't reached the ceiling yet, that's great. Yeah. Well, let's go through your roller coaster ride as a Bucks fan. So 2016, 2017, both first round exits just in the Eastern Conference. 2018 to 2019 was looking really good. This, this, is, out, this is the Bledsoe era still. Uh, <laughs> one of the most frustrating okay. eras of all time. Uh, I, I, the- I, I, yeah. So I have to, I have an asterisk there. I, I, 
again, Bledsoe, great talent, not a point guard. Definitely <laughs> not for for, not for, for you. finals team. No, nope. oh my God. Lost to the Raptors being up 2-0. I was in Canada when the Raptors won this series and clinched it. That was incredible. Uh, 2019 to 2020. This was a, I mean, this is an asterisk year for anyone, but they got crushed by the heat in the bubble, but the heat had the bubble magic for some reason, but that was a big regression. Right, that's not an excuse. I mean, so not an excuse, but a big regression for them. They were trying to build and build and then gone. Oh, absolutely. Conference semifinals. I mean, and so let me tell you what I did. So, uh, you know, that I, I'm one of these guys that wakes up early because just because of nature of my work and, mm-hmm. and, and the way I like things, in fact, but so for years, I would, because I don't have three hours to watch a game or, you know, so I, I, I would, every Bucks game for the, for years, I would watch the next day without ads, yep. right? A little bit of fast forward, but I would not miss any game, regular season, of course, not playoffs and all that. Never been to their stadium, just, you know, on, 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 on TV. After the bubble, I told myself I'm not gonna watch a single regular game from the Bucks <laughs> anymore this season because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do for that team. Yep. Regular season shouldn't matter at any point. You know, if you're looking at if you're aspiring to greatness, you know, Giannis already got his MVP, his regular season MVPs. You're done that. You're mm-hmm. not gonna be judged based on the regular season anymore. And so and actually, they didn't do as well, but because they changed a lot of their offensive systems, they're, they're, how they played changed. It was maybe a little less attractive, but it was a style of play that translates easier to mm-hmm. the playoffs. So, but I refused to watch this season any regular game. That one killed you, huh? As soon as the playoffs started, that's when I started watching. So the, the Heat series, knife in the heart of many Bucks fans. And then... You have to make a change. You got to blow it up a little bit. So I think I think this was the sequence. I think you got Drew first, gave up a ton of picks, you know, mm-hmm. mortgage the future. I think the Bogdanovich deal fell through before Giannis signed. So you got penalized that for that for tampering. The box office. Yes, the Bucks front office really messed that one up. And they got penalized for it too. I think they lost a pick or something, or they they got some penalty from the NBA for tampering. Yeah. And then Giannis resigned, but those both happened before Giannis resigned, right? Yeah. So basically, it was very clear to me, at least, that they needed to sign somebody in order to for Giannis to sign that supermax. I mean, I I don't know. Not you know, twenty twenty hindsight, he might he might say, oh, I would have signed even without yeah. anybody else arriving. But I just find that hard to believe. Mm-hmm. So they had to sign somebody. I think. Of course, again, looking at things now, Holiday was a great pick for them. But in all honesty, I think because of the questions people had, or due to the bubble, uh, due to the you know all the all, yeah. all they catch they kept was, Coach Bud didn't fire right. Coach Bud. Yes, but so maybe Holiday was the only one they could attract. You know, people don't yeah. talk about that that much. Well, I mean, I don't think that many others would have gone in. I mean it turns out to be a great fit for a defense oriented mindset and team. Um, but I think he was, he was a great signing. Um, but at the same, and, but 
I think they did a lot of work midseason with mm-hmm. Bobby and 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 PJ Tucker. Mm-hmm. And you know, Brent Forbes, the Bash uh, Brothers. I, I, yeah, Forbes was was great. It, it's kind of interesting. Oh, I forgot about Forbes. Wow. Yeah, the lineup disappeared. Changed. I mean, yeah, he was seriously. like, you know, probably the first. It was like, you know, the the first round. He was probably their MVP on fire. or something. Yeah. Uh, and then he completely disappeared and Jeff Teague showed yeah. up. Oh, there was Jeff Teague minute. You're right, man. This was a long playoffs. Yeah. That so, seems so it, long ago. But you know, it's kind of interesting because that tells a story. If you go through mm-hmm. every round, That's I can right. tell you the point in round two when, who was it? Was it, was it the Nets that yeah, were, round two Nets. Th- they were actually selecting Forbes. Mm-hmm to play on defense. They were attacking him every time. Yep. And you could tell that that's where Jeff T got into the lineup. Forbes got out. Because Forbes was returned. scoring more than Jimmy Butler in round one. You're right. And then it wasn't effective against the Nets. They had to make that change. And that was it, right? So it's kind of interesting. That's a, man, that's a beautiful, the beauty of the NBA playoffs. They're a universe. Mm-hmm. For the for the team that to persevere all the way, it's a universe. What's your stance on like? There's so many people put the footnotes in of like, okay, you know, Kyrie went down, James Harden went down. That happens every single year, though. We have this conversation every time there's a champion. Do you buy into that, or are you just like, hey, they lasted, they were able to stay healthy and do it. There is no, you know, footnote uh, you on know, injury seasons. I mean, again, this is where you know, like Giannis goes down with an ACL and we we're having a different discussion, you know, probably yeah. like well, he still went down for a couple games and they still pulled it out without him. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that would have meant that, I mean, yes, you get to the finals. Now the Brooklyn Nets, the Brooklyn Nets series would have, I think would have been, might've been different. I mean, Oh yeah. I thought, I thought I, they were winning at all. Like if Kevin Durant's toe or the, the shoe, the yeah. infamous shoe moment, on that game winner isn't there. I think they take. Yeah. And you know, against the Nets, I have to admit that this is where I felt that the Bucks didn't have a great series. Mm -hmm. I just felt that, you know, it it wasn't obvious that even two down the Nets were not a better team. And to me, that's where I sort of like, I'm trying to understand how and why that is. And if I, if I had sort of like, could my point my finger to one thing that I, you know, I would have loved to discuss with Bud, coach that would have been it how can that be yeah. how can that be they were um, being laughed at in those first two games against the oh Mets. yeah oh yeah and so at the same time you know i i think that you have you know people have to understand especially you know lebron tweeting about oh you know you got to reduce the number of games the game today has so many airborne situations Mm-hmm. or so that you know the high pick and roll the attacking the basket in such high speed with such phenomenal athletes above the rim that you're gonna get injuries landing or on the contact no matter how many games you have mm-hmm. and you know Kawhi's low, load management showed that I mean right? Kyrie so, was Kyrie was a sprain same with the tra- that got Trey Young, a lot of those guys. It was not anything related to strain. It was yeah, just I mean, and, you know, and, and also the Yanni's injury. Like, if you go up like that, yes, something could happen. Yeah, 
great. And, and, and Kyrie, if you're going to go one-on-one or one against four in that particular matter, and you're so fast and shifty, and you want to get down low with a layup. It's going to happen. I mean, it, That's why I don't go airborne happen. anymore. That's yeah, how we well, stay on the that's ground. Not, I mean, that's, <laughs> and that's not, you know, it's not the same situation as, you know, undercutting a shooter. Yeah. Yeah. If, so, you, if you have a set shooter, then you, you can predict where he's going to land. Right. But this one-on-one, you know, high alley-oop kind of situations. I mean, yeah, they're going to come down to whoever is there. Yeah. Let's close this out with some Giannis legacy. So a lot of people, two-time MVP defensive player of the year. 26 years old, but at the beginning and that, especially that net series, there was a lot of Giannis slander that, Oh, that's nice. He got his two MVPs. He's a regular season guy. He can't close it out. What do you think this did to Giannis's legacy here for international players for Greece? How do you think this has kind of transformed his, you know, perception? Yeah. I, I, this is where I think, I mean, okay. So there's, there's many facets to this. Yeah. Uh, so to me, I was watching the bucks every game because I felt that this guy was doing something special every single game, mm-hmm. two or three plays that were just crazy, right? So for anybody that is a basketball connoisseur, it, it, it's, I, that's why I was watching even the, the stupid regular yeah. games, right? So, um, but I mean, the legacy in this particular case means that he was able to translate that into championships so he was able to turn that you know special sauce Uh into a winning brand and that's you know as you know there's so many skillful players in the nba you know the zach levines that you know you know people that can just dunk on you in, in in crazy ways uh but that doesn't necessarily mean that you win Mm-hmm. And so for his legacy, I think it's it's a quantum leap, uh, especially in the U. But especially in the U.S. So for people like me, I'm not from the U.S. So I I was gonna watch him, and it's gonna be fun. And he's a legend anyway. You see it, and just because of the stuff he does. Yeah. But in the NBA, or in in America, in the U.S., winners matter. And you, yep. if you don't win, and that's, you know, the Charles Barkley's of the world. The Carl Malone, John Carl Stockton. Malone, they're yeah. always going to be knocked out for this. But so you win one, you, you, you just come into this different level of discussion. Um, now, to me, I, I, I think that, interestingly, you know, again, he can improve as a closer still. The decision-making is going to be interesting to see how it evolves. But... For a guy of his talent, of his of the kind of stuff he does, he's able to do. Um, I I I think that if he finishes his career and isn't being discussed about the top five of all times, wow, you're right. Then, he's only twenty six. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. So you have another ten years. Yeah, win a couple more chips like that. I mean, why, how can you not be in that sort of discussion? Mm-hmm. So it's, I don't think, by the way, at that level, with that kind of style of play, I don't think he can play many more years like that. Yeah, that's true. He'll have You're to have to change. So, yeah. so, and, and like, and as an asterisk here, for me, 
the most awesome LeBron years were not, you know, his super athlete years. It was the late Miami and the, and the Cavs, the second Cavs years where you could tell, you could tell there is a one guy on the court that has two more gears Mm -hmm. and, and you could, like you can tell playoff LeBron is not regular season LeBron. And even finals with LeBron is not playoff LeBron. Yeah. And just this, that, that, and, and, and it, and it sort of like diffuses into so many aspects and facets of the game from decision-making to shot making to defensive plays to intimidation, psychology, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and sort of, and reading the game. So I think to be discussed as a top five, top 10, top 10 of all times, you need the ability to do that, to be able to read plays as opposed to just execute plays and, and be above the rim. So that's what I'm most excited about in terms of legacy, see how he evolves into that and see how, you know, like the, in the years to come, how his game gets refined and changes. If he can take on that mastermind type complex that LeBron does, where he's has the whole, you know, the court vision, he knows the next five moves. So cerebral. It's uh, that would be a really fun Giannis to see. And like, like we just talked about, he did that through these playoffs where instead of just barreling into a triple team and not being able to finish and hit free throws, he chose his moments better. He chose his shots better. It would be fun to see, like, especially like how much more muscle can he put on, too? Let's say he's like a 270 pound center at 35. I don't think he, he, he should because that then no, takes he away from the speed, right? And the yeah. reaction time. So, but the shack, like, the shack growth versus the Giannis growth. Like, if he can but, be like that smart player, that would be incredible because I, I wouldn't say he's considered that right now. But a lot of people talk about, you know, shack and shack, shack anal- analogies. Could shack even play in today's NBA? Yes. Yes, Costas, of course. You think so? I don't think so. I mean, he would young dominate. They, dude, they would. What they, would the way the refereeing goes, they would pull him up on the high pick and roll, and he would need to now chase down little guys. He would be so dominant. He All wouldn't. Right. He, he wouldn't have to put. He would have to keep the weight off. He couldn't be Celtics Shaq. Even well, LA Shaq, I, I I just think that he played in the perfect era for his Definitely. side. Definitely, I don't believe that in this in this day and age he would be more of a situational player mm-hmm. that you just you have to play for five minutes and then take out for three and defend depending on the play. Just because of defense, you're, you're just gonna get murdered. Man. This is a hot take coming in at the end of the podcast. I love it. One more question before we go. Is, is Giannis going to play on the national team? They need it. Can't, they just can't have a, you know, a Antetokounmpo brother. They need Giannis to join. Pride of Greece. <laughs> we well, got to get him on the national know. team. I mean, you know, right now it's a, it's a little bit of a rough time for the Greek national team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that – I mean, of course, Giannis playing in it is, is an attraction. Is always people get pumped about it. But as you saw in these playoffs, especially in the FIBA style of play, yeah, one – guy cannot do it alone mm-hmm. i mean it's it's so different to nba except for luca maybe he pulled them in but, he pulled i mean up. dude i i think people underestimate the underplays the other plays of slovenia in slovenia yeah, i mean dragic is there um, yeah, or used yeah. to be he, he stopped when yeah. they became european the legacy. i mean uh, uh dragic brother 
was a baller mm-hmm. too. <laughs> so I mean, Slovenia has a very long history of great, mm-hmm. great basketball players, and Fig, the FIBA kind of play or, or, or style of game. Trust me, Giannis is not putting fifty on anybody. <laughs> there is no way he's scoring 50 there is no way i think he scores 40 all right so i so i think the greek national team needs to sort of like focus on other aspects and other players and build them up build up the and team when we're ready then please come back all right thanks costas appreciate you coming on and congratulations it's been a roller coaster ride for bucks and Giannis fans and uh now you get to celebrate you'll always have this one it's funny that you for some reason a lot of people were texting me on at the end of game six congratulating me yeah exactly you <laughs> stuck with them right, yeah you stuck Ooh, I'm with so them tired man. from this game <laughs> i played well all right have a good <laughs> thank one. you so much for this discussion it was always fun talking to you man yeah talk soon